I'm Tom Watkins, and you're listening to Delicious Journeys, the podcast. Hello there, and welcome to Delicious Journeys, the podcast. I'm Maria Reed, and this is the show where we'll be talking to various guests working in the food and drinks industry. Are you a founder in the food and drinks industry, or do you find the world of food and drink brands fascinating? We are so thrilled to have Tom Watkins, co-founder of Mighty P, joining us today. Firstly, how are you, Tom? Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Thanks, Maria. And, and firstly, thank you for having me. Um, I'm actually back back in the office today, so it's been really cool to have uh, people around us for the first time in, in absolutely ages. Oh, I bet. I can't wait to hear about it because I know you've just moved into your new office and you're building your team, so I can't wait to delve into that. It's been incredible to see the rise of Mighty P, and I'm fascinated by your story and where it all began. So, but before we get into all the nitty gritty, to warm up those taste buds, we're going to do a quick fire round game of pea puns. Now, I have seen that Mighty P love a good pea pun, so I'm going to give you a clue to a pun and every answer will have the word pea in it. All you have to do is just say the answer. So first one, it's, it's a nice simple one, but what's another way to say it's simple? You might say it's... Uh, Easy peasy? Yes, easy peasy. <laughs> right, second one. If you were an important person at an event, you might also be called a... Oh, VIP, come on. Obviously, there you go, there you go, two for two. What's a name for a cheerful P? Happy? Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay, right, let's, let's get a winning streak. What do you cover a ball spot with? <laughs> ball spot with? You might yeah. have got me on that one. You might have a bit, bit of a hair piece you might put on top. Hair piece? Uh, Not a one P, but a... Two P's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, enough of the silliness. Thank you for playing with me. Right, so uh, Mighty P's entire range is free from dairy, nuts, soy and refined sugar, with every glass containing eight grams of plant protein and 50% more calcium than cow's milk. So in short, Mighty P is a plant-based milk that uses pea milk. But the very first question I'm sure many people ask you when they hear or see your brand is what is pea milk? So my question to you, Tom, is what is pea milk? Why pea milk? And how did it all start? Yeah, absolutely. It is a great question and a fair question. And everyone's like, you know, what? Nick, the co-founder, who's, who's also my brother, who, who started this business with me, you know, we were in a, a business for about 10 years together before this. And we, we turned around to everyone one day and went, right, quitting our job and we're going to start selling uh, pea milk and everyone was like that's that's crazy don't do that um but but fortunately we did and, and you know the first question two questions with pea milk is is it green the answer is no does it taste like peas as well fortunately the answer is no to both um and really how we got into it you know nick and i we don't drink dairy so we're both dairy alternative drinkers you know we've always been within kind of the FMCG industry um, and have loved kind of the plant-based category and where it's going um, and we always knew we were going to start start something and, and you know, it had to be something that we actually genuinely care about. So one big kind of gap we noticed is that in dairy alternative milks in particular, often, you know, while some of the, some of them were OK, nutritionally, the majority of them were, were pretty poor. They're either really high in sugar or completely void of protein or didn't really offer any benefits. Um, and we, we knew about a, a company in America who'd done really well making a pea milk and we were like, that sounds absolutely bonkers. We're going to have to give that a try. Um, so we managed, we managed to get some hold of some pea milk and we thought, you know, there's just nothing like this over here in the UK and the EU, you know, 
let's give it a go. Let's try and make it. So uh, we, got, we got into Nick's, uh, Nick's basement in his kitchen and we're like, right, okay, we'll get some yellow split peas, we'll grind them up, we'll add some dates and water. How hard can this be? Um, left it overnight and we're like, that is the worst thing we've ever tasted. That's not how you make pea milk. <laughs> <laughs> when was this as well when was this when uh when you're in the kitchen uh i think we started this journey around three years ago now wow. so that was around december 2017 we were kind of in the next basement like something out of breaking bad yeah really really weird really funny but but you know we, we quickly learned that is that's absolutely not the way to make female and fortunately we've had some fantastic MPD innovation technicians who have really kind of steered us and guided us on, on how you actually get great tasting pea milk, which is uh, hopefully what we've arrived at today. That's really cool. And you just mentioned about the health benefits. So what are the health benefits of pea milk? Yeah, absolutely. So we kind of have a saying at Mighty that everything we do, um, anything that dairy can do, we can do better. Um, so the benefits for our, for instance, you know, our unsweetened uh, pea milk is that it's got the same protein content as dairy. So dairy has eight grams of protein in a 250 ml glass. My pea has eight grams of protein in a 250 ml glass. We've got twice the calcium. We've got vitamin D, B12 and iodine, which is really popular with, um, with children. And then, you know, you kind of have that comparison to dairy and go, okay, so mighty stacks up to dairy on its nutrition. Um, but the, the flip side of that is you look at, you know, an unsweetened almond milk, it has no protein in it. Whereas mighty will have eight grams in a glass. Or you look at something like a, a really popular oat milk. I won't mention any brand names, um, but you know the sugar content there is, is comparable to Coca Cola. Whereas in Mighty, it's uh, on the unsweetened line zero sugar. So for us, it was just all about actually. There's, there's a big space here to be offering consumers a much more nutritionally sharp, fantastic tasting uh, dairy oat milk that's not not currently available. Yeah, and, and how is pea milk made? So you use yellow spit peas, which you've mentioned, but how is how do you even do that? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a big kind of process behind it. We work with our, our uh, co-manufacturer down in uh, Somerset and there's lots of different kind of technical processes involving kind of blending and homogenization and pasteurizing. Um, and we kind of take our yellow split peas um, and we use things like sunflower seeds and sea salt and water, um, just kind of mix them up. Um, and they go through this kind of really technical process, which is why it didn't work in Nick's basement. Um, <laughs> And it's kind of similar to how a lot of dairy alternative milks are made, um, which is kind of the long and short story to how, how you make pea milk. Mm. And is it good for the environment? I have seen uh, on your website as well how sustainable it is, like less water, less emissions, all that sort of stuff. But could you explain a bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess one of the reasons why so many people have taken interest in, in pea milk, apart from it sounding, you know, a little, little bit crazy, um, <laughs> is that nutritionally and on a sustainability front, it's really kind of one of the leading players. So whereas things like in, you know, forgive me if you've already heard all this, but almond milk has real issues with kind of the bee population. Soy milk has huge issues on deforestation. Um, yellow split peas are super easy to grow. Um, they need very little water. Um, so irrigation is not really an issue and, you know, their eco impact is, is minimal. And one of the big things we've been doing at, at Mighty and leading the charge, and I, I won't take as much credit for this as Nick. So Nick, the co-founder, has absolutely been leading the way in this. Um, we basically work with uh, an organization called Mondra um, and basically all our eco scores we're now putting on pack. So in the same way that on the front of our pack, you'll have a 
you know, sugar, fat, carbs, whatever it might be, we're now doing an eco score, put it on our pack, you know, here's our water usage, here's where we actually score. Fortunately, all our products score an A on, on the ranking system. So they're as sustainable, sustainable as you can get. I'm just trying to, in fact, redecide the carton now. So we've got kind of water pollution, biodiversity, carbon. We measure absolutely all of that. And on the side of our packs, we put it in a really simple way for kind of consumers to understand and go, if a million people drink Mighty over the course of a year, which thankfully they are doing now, um, <laughs> you know, we save 30 football stadiums full of water, wow. you know, and 50 hot air balloons worth of carbon. So we kind of measure the stats and make it as relatable as possible. Because sometimes you look at a, a biodiversity calculator and you're like, what, what the blooming hell is that? I don't really understand it. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's that's really good information to know. And and big numbers as well. Really big numbers. Um, when you first, because we were talking about this before, and a few of my friends, I, some of them know about uh, pea milk, some of them don't. But what's the usual reaction when you do say pea milk to people? Are more people educated now, do you think? Or what do you think? Yeah, we're, def- we're definitely getting there with it. We're definitely getting there with it. You still get... Uh... <laughs> what is pea milk? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there's the obvious jokes to kind of make about it. I mean, yeah. A lot of people are like, is it green? You know, what, what do you mean? Up, we use yellow split peas. But big part of what we're, we've been doing is just educating people, educating people on actually the benefits of it. You know, the second we get people to try the product, they're actually like, okay, that's pretty cool. Especially if they're, uh, they're already in dairy alternatives. And if mm. you think about it, we've been drinking soy milk since forever. Um, and no one's really phased by soy milk. And, and pea milk's a bit like the cool cousin of soy milk without all the bad environmental stuff so uh yeah so yeah I have mine right here you can see on the camera it's so good I've got the oat milk in front of me and I've tried the barista version and it is I love the barista version because that's fairly new as well isn't it this concept yeah absolutely so I I don't know when this will be coming out but we're actually about to unveil our our brand new barista um product which is um something really kind of special in the barista category Mm -hmm. I don't know how much I can say on it right now without someone shouting at me (laughs) (laughs) but you've got your big blue one in uh, Sainsbury's that I've seen the barista one yeah absolutely so we've got yeah the barista in Sainsbury's which is a kind of use a mix of P&O and such some other cool stuff to just make sure it works really well in in, uh, hot and cold drinks so on the barista front obviously one of the first things you use pump milk for is uh, is making sure it's stable in tea and coffee Yep, yep. And you've got, so your Mighty range consists, you've got Mighty Milks, you've got Mighty Shakes and Mighty Human. What is the Mighty Human? Could you explain a bit more about that? Yeah, Mighty Human. So what, what is the mysterious Mighty Human? Well, we thought, look, pea milk's too easy, easy to sell. Let's enter the non-competitive uh, protein powders market. <laughs> <laughs> so, so basically, my, Mighty Human is essentially a blend of vegan proteins. So we've got stuff like pea and hemp and flaxseed. And within that, we're also taking super greens, so we're taking things like spirulina and matcha and also a vitamin mix to kind of create, rather than having to take, you know, typically have your protein shake and maybe you take some supplements and maybe you take a super green as well. Just an all-in-one kind of trifecta of goodness, essentially, to make you a mighty human. And it's all completely vegan, um, all, all completely plant-based. So, so yeah, it's been a really exciting launch for that, for our kind of D2C web store. It's been, um, it was quite interesting, actually. We managed to, to sell it out pretty much on the first day so we, we slightly under ordered on it but um it's back in stock now and it's uh, yeah it's, it's, yeah. Uh, it's a good product we got a lot, a lot of good feedback on that one. Oh, that's really cool to hear and then and with your uh, mighty milks as well so you've got original unsweetened protein oat and the uh, barista of all the ranges and then with your um your milk uh, with your mighty shakes you've got uh the 330 mil ready to drink and they're available in chocolate banana and oat and your ice latte flavors but with all of this do you have a particular favorite one that you have 
it's, it's wow. a bit biased you probably have all of them but is it depending on day or do you have a favorite one <laughs> that's a good question uh it's like saying what's your, what's your favorite kid um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i think the thing i think the thing that we see with most people is it's like an easier entrance to be like oh i had the original which is a little bit sweetened or I had the oat which is a bit sweeter but Typically, I found anyway that actually after a while of trying partners, you want an unsweetened version. So the unsweetened hardcore might, might be unsweetened skew is my, my favorite one, I think, yeah. That's really cool. And then with your like family and friends, even people who don't, who uh, would drink regular milk uh, or like cow's milk, that kind of thing, or soy, have they all kind of turned to, to Mighty P and pea milk now? Or what's the reception been from family and friends? Well, yeah, that's what they're all telling me anyway. Uh, <laughs> They've probably got me, you know, talk, talk, pestering about that all the time. If I see, you know, a competitor brand in one of their fridges, I'm like, what, what are you doing here? What, what's happening here? You know, <laughs> get him a delivery. But, um, you know, I, I think it just on general, loads of people have been swapping to plant-based milks away from dairy. Mm-hmm. And, and the truth is, you know, the category is absolutely exploding, which, you know, is fantastic for us and fantastic for competitors as well, I'm sure. Yeah, because I've seen as well that you're in Sainsbury's, Marks & Spencer, Holland & Barrett and WH Smith. Is that which ranges are in are in the ones I've just mentioned? So, in fact, well, I guess this will be going out within the next month. Mm-hmm. Also. Yeah, next month. Yeah. This will be July first. So, okay, cool. So we're in. By the time this is, okay, is is live, we can definitely confirm that we're in Sainsbury's, Tesco, Co-op, Morrison's, M and S. Um, there's another big retailer on the way, which is the one I've not mentioned there, which, which is a really good one. So our distribution is, is kind of exploded quite quickly, to be honest with you, Pro- probably quicker than we, we thought it would, um, which has been really cool. And you can pretty much get most of the range, the original and the unsweetened in, in pretty much most places. And the protein oat is, is going into more and more places too. So yeah, we're, uh, we're kind of going far and wide and educating the nation on pea milk. Yeah. Oh, wow. Taking it by storm. Do you remember what that first uh, listing was like? And how did you get into your first listing? And were you nervous pitching? Did they understand the concept? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Nick and I, we we joke about this one a lot because, you know, we I think originally we just wanted to get, you know, one one of our own products on one shelf somewhere. And we're like, oh, you know, we'll have made it. And then we kind of look where we are now. We're like, you know, bloody hell. (laughs) (laughs) This is a little bit more than we bargained for. Yeah. yeah, I can remember what it was like. It was Sainsbury's. It was Sainsbury's who confirmed the first one. We went onto their future brand scheme. Um, and I remember, you know, we were just going absolutely bonkers in the taxi on the way home. Like, you know, sat down with the buyer. He said, look, you know, we're going to put you in. And we were like, couldn't, couldn't, couldn't believe it. It was absolutely incredible. You know, yeah, had, had a few beers and a bit of a celebration. Oh, that's really cool. And so you've said you've gone bonkers in the taxi with your brother. So now on this podcast, we've had co-founders who have been with their husband or wife. And most recently we've had in-laws, but we've not had a co-founder with their brother or sibling yet until you. So I'm so interested and fascinated to know what it's like being a co-founder with your brother, Nick. Um, do you remember the first conversation of sitting down and saying, right, let's start a business together. And did you envision being in business together when you were younger as well? Oh, no, we, de- we definitely didn't. We definitely didn't because there's a bit of a five, six year age gap between us and we're probably like my, most siblings, you know, there's a healthy bit of, uh, of, of rivalry. But then we, in our last business, we worked with each other for, you know, the best part of 10 years. So we kind of understood each other's, you know, what he was good at, what I'm good at. And, you know, when we need to argue, like any, any good set of uh, siblings, we'll, we'll get it out of the way. We'll do it quickly. And I think that's really important for co-founders because you need to have someone who you can be just completely honest with. And, you know, Nick has incredible sales skills far beyond, you know, 
uh, what, what I'm capable of, and, and there's probably a few other skills perhaps I have that, that help add to the team. But he's um, he's an absolutely fantastic operator, um, manager, you know, just just everything. So what's in, because we worked together for so long, I think that helped us with this in particular hit the ground running. We knew what each other was doing. We knew how to kind of operate together, and um, yeah, we're happy, we're happy to have it out when we need to. Yeah, that's the healthiest way, though, isn't it? That's the healthiest way. <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. What, what do your family think as well? Are they all are they all shocked that you guys ended up in business together, or are they all like, "Yeah, we could see this coming"? Um, yeah, I think I think they probably saw it coming because we said to him for a few years, you know, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. And our, our dad, who was kind of the, he was actually the, the managing director of Butchers Pet Care. You know, he showed us so much in this business and really educated about kind of what it means to be an entrepreneur and doing something for yourself. So. He's, he's huge inspiration to both of us to kind of doing it. And our, our, our mum is fantastic. So, uh, so yeah, we we're very lucky on that front that we were kind of pushed into kind of trying something versus having parents, which perhaps sometimes you get a bit cautious. Ours were like, you know, bloody get out there and try and do something. Stop hanging around at home. <laughs> yeah. Oh, cool. Well, so you rebranded in 2019 from Mighty Society to Mighty P. So what made you rebrand and rename and what was the process of doing that like? Yeah, I think it was just kind of a full top to bottom of people not really resonating with the brand. It was perhaps a little bit understated when it first arrived on shelves uh, and not super obvious about the benefits of the product. So, you know, kind of having that big, mighty on pack and vibrant branding and, and it being probably resonated much more with our core consumer. You know, our, our sales pretty much doubled overnight from, from that rebrand. And we've got some, some further kind of changes on the way too for, you know, not, not veering a million miles away from where we are, just constantly refining and tweaking the, the mighty brand but i think now with with mighty and just the look and feel and the tone of it it seems it seems to be connecting quite well with um with people and what, what the business is about and, and what we stand for so um yeah you know i suppose it happens isn't it sometimes you see a lot of brands they go out there with one execution sometimes they get it right for first time unfortunately for us uh you know we had to call it pretty quickly and be like i don't don't think we've nailed this one back to the drawing board let's uh let's see what else we can do Oh, it, it really stands out on shelf. Like it's got such a good branding at the moment. And how did you come up with the name Mighty as well? How did we come up with the name Mighty? That's that's well, it's a great, really great question because if we'd known all the trademarking troubles for getting the word Mighty across with anything, then we probably would have chosen something easier. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think because we were previously called the Mighty Society, I think the one word that did resonate and carry over and have yeah. that cut through was Mighty. You know, we just wanted one simple name that really envisaged everything we're about, you know, had the kind of tone of voice for, for what we were going for and, and Mighty just seemed to sit quite well. Mm. So Mighty P launched in April 2019 and quickly generated a big buzz. In its early months, you crowdfunded and reached the brand's target of 300k in under a week, which is so impressive. What was that experience like in those early days and what was going through your head? Yeah, the fun, so the, fun, the fundraising thing is something that probably, you know, now we're much, you know, three years into it and kind of much more experience within it is something that takes up a lot of Nick and I's time, um, you know, but, but kind of meeting with investors initially and learning how that process works. And there's always an element of, oh, my God, I'm giving part of my company away for equity. You know, it's a big thing. So for us, it's, we've been extremely lucky that the investors that we've had join Mighty and become part of this company have been really fantastic. You know, beyond just with money, real kind of advisors to us, you know, how you should fundraise, the best ways to run a company, the kind of things you need to be doing. We've been very lucky to have some, some great investors kind of fr from early. 
Um, but it, that initial process, I mean, you know, we were um, we were a bit in the dark with it. We didn't know how it would work. You know, there's kind of an area where you have to just kind of go for it, reach out to people, say, you know, I'm selling pea milk. Do you want to invest in the... <laughs> Literally like out. that. That's all you need to say. Yeah. We were assuming there'd be kind of, you know, a, a pretty quick one-line answer to, to that question. But fortunately, it's been, been something that quite a few people have wanted to invest in. And the Cedars campaign was absolutely brilliant, you know, to have that experience of engaging with the public and answering everyone's questions and getting to know so many people off the back of that. Um, yeah, it was something that was really fantastic. And uh, I, think, I think we're happy we did that. That's really cool. Have you stayed in touch with some of those people from the public throughout the journey as well? Yeah, absolutely. You know, investors large and small, it's been fantastic just to hear their feedback, to have their thoughts. And I think the thing is, you know, it doesn't matter if someone's giving you, you know, 250 pounds or a quarter of a million pounds, like either way, someone's giving you money, their own money, what, what they can afford to invest in your business. So you kind of have a, a duty and responsibility to, you know, engage with them, perform for them. You know, there's a, getting loads of money for your business is great, but you are giving away part of your company. You know, it will come with pressure and responsibility to those investors, ultimately. Mm. Do you have any tips for any um, founders in their early stages with crowdfunding? If you could like say to yourself back then three years ago from what you've learned three years later? Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose it's a more general question than just crowdfunding. For some people, you know, at the start, early doors, you're probably talking to maybe one or two angel investors. Um, a good legal team is something I would absolutely say is, is will pay its, its weight in gold, making sure that you quickly try and understand as much as you can about the idea of, you know, how corporate governance, how company structures, how all that works, how fundraising works. And, and, and the big thing I would say is try and plot out a path to where do you want to get with this company and you know don't just take investments non-stop wherever you can get it because actually being strategic with it is um is really important in the long run you need to know what you're doing with your investment where it's actually going to go and the, the biggest thing of course utilizing that investment with loads of money it's easy to think oh you know we can do whatever but actually you know disruptor brands smaller brands you've got to be uh, you've got to be really smart with how you allocate that cash you know you come up against your I don't know, your Nestle's, your Unilever's, whoever it might be, those guys are throwing, you know, cr crazy amounts of money at marketing, whereas uh, you've got to be a bit, a bit sharper, a bit, a, bit, a bit cute with how you uh, deploy your capital. Mm. So, so, so with you and Nick, is Nick more of the sales and you're more of the finances? How do you divvy up like responsibilities? Because yeah, like you've got the finance kind of undergo, which is good. Yeah, absolutely. So on the kind of overarching strategy, I mean, just, you know, as a pair of co-founders, all the big decisions we just make together, you know, we always have done and we've got a really great relationship where we go, you know, anything big, anything strategic, you know, we do it. Mm. Now that we've kind of grown the team and, and, you know, started to recruit a lot more people into the business, we've had to probably silo ourselves a little bit more. So yeah, absolutely. Nick kind of leads the sales functions and we've got some really fantastic salespeople who've joined us. And I probably veer more towards actually the marketing and perhaps some of the R&D and innovation. So we, we kind of have different areas that we work with in the business. And the fundraising stuff is such a, a key part of it that we really tackle that one together. Because I would, I would, that's the one bit of advice I would say to anyone starting a business, be it your, your brother, your sister, your mum, your, um, your cousin, your friend from work. If you can have a co-founder, get a co-founder. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, from all the people I've spoken to, having someone to share that burden with, Probably an easy thing for, for everyone to say, but but having someone to share that burden with is is paramount. I know I wouldn't have wanted to do this uh, this entire journey on my own. 
Yeah, no, do you know, you aren't the first person, especially on this podcast, to say the same thing as well. They've all said that we would suggest having a founder, because I think if you are a co-founder, sorry, because I think it can be quite a lonely journey being a single founder, and there is a hell of a lot to learn as well, especially in our industry, in food service, retail, there's, it can be quite complex, and, and having someone else, especially, I think, like a brother or someone quite close to you because what would you say to have you met many founders who have co-founded with someone they don't really know as well have you heard any stories around that and how that's kind of unfolded yeah I've I've heard the good and the bad and the ugly on that front with regards to you know sometimes it's a match made in heaven to to chat from work and go I'll start this and it works beautifully sometimes it it can be a bit trickier because when it's co-founders you know you need to be on the same page and there'll be disagreements and there'll be tough bits and there'll be part where you've got, you know, I think we should get here like that and the other person's got a different point of view. But ultimately, you must have the business's best interests front and centre regardless. And I think that's the good thing with Nick and I is, you know, whatever it takes for the business, we'll do and we're both completely aligned on, on doing what's, what's right for Mighty. Um, so, yeah, having a, having a co-founder, pe- people who do it solo and people I've heard do it solo, you know, massive admiration for them um because it, it must be you know to have the you've already got the weight of the world on your shoulders and you take investment and you suddenly you know dealing with really large amounts of money it's a lot to take on especially if you're not super well versed in the world of kind of you know starting a business it's 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 a lot so if you have a, a co-founder especially one which has different skills to yourself mm. um you know i think we tend to bring in people into businesses that are similar to ourselves and actually one thing we've learned is you want people who are who are different Everyone who we bring into our business, I want them to, to show us stuff. I don't, ideally, we don't want to be telling them anything. We want them to educate uh, ourselves. And it's not hard because we're not, we're not super smart anyway. <laughs> I would not say that. I would not say that. But going on from what you've just said, actually, so you've recently just opened your first headquarters. Congratulations. How does that feel? Was this a big milestone that you guys were aiming for as well? Yeah, so it's a bit of a funny story, actually. So we, um, we moved into a, an office I don't, there's another brand called Northern Blocker, a vegan ice cream brand. I don't know if you know them, but anyway, they've got a big ice cream factory and we spoke to the owner there and we're like, look, you know, he's like, you can get some office space here, which was fantastic, really great of them to do that. They're a fantastic ice cream uh, fan, uh, brand, by the way, if they want to give me some great ice cream for plugging in. Um, <laughs> and they, they basically, we moved into an office, like I think it was like a five, six person office and within a month we outgrew it. So we had to kind of take a, a much bigger kind of 20 person office down the hall. Um, and it's been a bit, you know, we didn't even sign the lease on it. Things have been moving quite quickly, which has been really interesting to have, to have the team growing at this rate, to kind of move into an office, just everything that entails. Of course, for the first, I don't know how long COVID happened. So essentially we're all home working anyway, but just to have, just to have that team vibe, to have people back in, to have, you know, that energy in a startup and people working out, I think is, um, yeah, it's been, it's been really motivating for all of us, I think. Yeah, I bet. And so, so how long was it just you and Nick for? And how, when did you start like building out the team and how many people have you got employed at the moment with Mighty P? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think Nick and I made that classic mistake people make where we said, we'll do it all ourselves for as long as possible. And I think we very quickly learned that was pretty, pretty silly of us really. Um, Building the team, you know, and they're all fantastic has made, you know, the whole business operate way more effectively um we get a lot more done quickly everyone's putting in ideas and doing things that nick and i could never do so we went for i think like out of the you know we've been around for three years but properly probably trading around two years and i think for it's really only been the last six months that we've properly built up the team so we did a huge gap of that just trying to outsource things and do it ourselves and of course when you, you haven't got huge amounts of capital at the start 
that's probably the way that most people do it. But I'd say as soon as you can build a team and get good people around you, uh, do it. If I could have my time again, I'd definitely build a team quicker. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And what's the process of hiring people like? Because you and Nick used to work together for 10 years in a company before, but is this your first time kind of being the owner and hiring people and, and going through that? Yeah, I mean, building a team to this size, yeah, in so many different varied roles, um, you know, whereas our business before was very focused just on sales and major supermarkets, but but building this team with so many different parts to it, you know, from finance to supply chain to innovation to sales to marketing, you know, it, it's so many different areas that you have to kind of um, clear yourself in on quickly. And it's been a very, very different experience um, hiring people. Fortunately, because um, we're based in Leeds up, up north, so it's constantly raining and cloudy here, but there are some, some good plant-based startups around here. You've got Meatless Farms, you've got Northern Block, you've got um, a good little ecosystem of, of talent and a pool to kind of pull from. So we've been, we've been quite lucky in a lot of people we've brought in. Yeah, that's really cool. And, and some good uh, connections as well around the area as well. So do, do you find that a lot of founders all help each other out as well? You're quite, I find that as well from speaking to different founders, everyone's quite willing to help each other out. It's not a really, even if you're in the same, like um, if you're a competitor, they're usually quite helpful to each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. We have a, we have a great moment to um, every other co-founder we've come across and, you know, <laughs> Because you share the same problems, you share the same, a lot of the same issues. And, and just to speak to, it's quite a strange thing being a founder or a bit of an entrepreneur because it's, you know, it's quite isolating the problems you have. So the second you've got someone, you can be like, oh, you know, can I have 10 minutes to moan at you? And you're like, oh, okay, just, just from having that conversation and hearing that they're going through everything just like you. And, you know, here's how, what we learn, guys. Here's where we can help you. I know every, every company and founder says it, but it, it, that's such an important support to have. If you, can, if you can be around people in your space and talk to them about it, like nine times out of 10, it makes things a little bit easier. Mm. And I'm sure this whole year or year and a half of this pandemic as well has hopefully made people talk a little bit more to each other because being a founder in the pandemic, how have you found that? Yeah, that was absolutely bonkers, if I'm honest. I mean, I know, look, I know the whole thing's been bonkers for everyone, but I mean, we... Um, well, it's interesting because alternative milks were one of the restricted items. So you could only basically buy, suddenly Sainsbury's at the time were like, oh, you know, all this pandemic's kicked off. And by the way, we're now going to ration your products. So people can only buy three at a time. And we were mm-hmm. like, oh my God. And we had this giant kind of sales peak, which was, which was crazy with supply, which was, which was really, you know, fantastic. But it was all obviously quite concerning at the time. And, and you know, while it sounds great to have that great sales peak, actually there was a lot of uncertainty. Um, and it really turned major grocery upside down for a, a few months in many different channels, especially the convenience channel. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, you know, we, we struggled through it. Yeah, the pandemic was an interesting, interesting and difficult time. But hopefully it's, it's starting to feel like, you know, things are getting back to normal now. So to round off this episode, we've got a quick fire Q&A for Agony Uncle Tom, founder of, co-founder of MyTP, who will be answering dilemma questions from people within this startup industry. So question number one. I can see you've got 12.4K followers on Instagram. How have you grown your followers over the years and how do you keep your posts current? Yeah, absolutely. It's something that we've, we've really wrestled with back and forth. And, and I think a big part of your social is about your brand voice and that community. Um, obviously, you know, if you have a, a great product that people can find on shelf, then it's very easy to kind of point them back to social. But there's lots of different tips and tricks, but, you know, obvious ones like just make sure your content's engaging and relative to your brand. You know, if you're trying to sound like someone else, if you're putting out posts 
you know, they don't really sound like your brand people don't want to follow it. And most importantly, the biggest thing we always come back to is, well, why does someone want to follow a P-Milk brand on Instagram? What's the actual, you know, benefit? And that applies to any brand. You know, there should be, Instagram, I don't think actually is all about selling to people. It's probably actually about giving to them, you know, making them actually want to follow you in it and not trying to shove things kind of down the throat all the time. But, you know, for us, it's about being a little bit funny, a little bit cheeky, a little bit, you know, just, just kind of building that community of people and engaging and, and, you know, showing recipes or whatever it might be, just something a little bit more engaging than buy, buy, buy. Um, because I think, I think some brands fall into that trap and it can be a, yeah, it's, it's not always the best route to go down. Yeah, no, that's really good advice. Uh, question number two, I want to grow my team. How can you spot someone who truly cares about your brand and what you've built rather than someone who just wants a job? Yeah, that's an absolutely fantastic question. Um, I mean, the truth is hiring anyone, you're always going to have to take a bit of a leap of faith. You don't always know, um, you know, how it's going to play out, but, you know, you want to interview as well as you can, you know, try and do a few different stages. I think meeting people face to face is, is, is a good one to try and actually um, get to know them. But, but again, interviewing is always going to be a tricky one where as hard as you want to vet it, as, as much as you want to always secure the right person, it doesn't, it doesn't always happen like that, you know, um, but certainly get, get your interview nailed as, as close as you can to make sure you're really clear on the role and what they'll be doing. And the big fit is about, is about culture because, you know, some people thrive in one culture and not another, and that's, that's completely fine. You know, we're all, we're all different. Just try and be really clear and specific on, on the culture within your business. Hmm. And finally, what does success mean to you? Oh, that's a good question. What does success mean to me? Um, I think success to us is um, probably seeing mighty from a business perspective, uh, you know, as, as a global brand, you know, we, we don't see it just UK based. We see it, we want to be one of the leading dairy alternative disruptors across the world. Um, but, but to me personally, on a personal note, it's just making sure that everyone that, you know, is close to me and I care about is, is doing well as possible. Um, and it's not, I don't think it's, you know, a lot of, a lot of numbers get thrown around when it comes to business and, and stuff like that. But actually it's more about, are you having, are you enjoying the journey as much as you can day to day? I know that sounds a bit wishy-washy, but it, it really is important. No, it's so relevant and so true. I love that. Thank you, Tom. Now to wrap up this episode, I want to finish with this last question, Tom, you win the Oscar equivalent for your industry. When you take the stage, who will you thank and why? Who I thank and why? Um, I would thank my brother, Nick, for being, you know, an amazing uh, co-founder and for, you know, picking me up when I need picking up and, and, you know, dragging us through some pretty tough times. And I would thank my mum and my dad for pushing us to, to do what we want and, uh, and my, uh, my girlfriend as well for just being there for me, hearing me moan every night. And uh, yeah, I think those, would be, those guys would be in the, uh, in the speech probably. That was beautiful. Lovely. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. Make sure to follow Tom and Nick's exciting journey with Mighty P and all their future projects. If anyone wants to find out more and get in touch with you, Tom, what's the best way to do so? Um, they can email info at mightyp.co.uk and Nick and I are always kind of looking at what's coming in. So if they send a mail to that, Nick and I will pick it up and respond. Absolutely. Perfect. Thank you very much, Tom. Thanks so much, Maria. Cheers. Cheers. 
Well, that concludes this month's episode. Thank you for listening to Delicious Journeys and thank you to Tom Watkins, co-founder of Mighty P, for joining me today and for sharing his valuable insights on building a better brand. Feel free to email me at maria at visionarygroupltd.com if you have any questions on today's episode or even just to say hi. Catch you next month and catch yourself succeeding on your delicious journey. Take care. Bye.